God loves you so much and the fullness of the faith is in the Catholic Church. And relating back to what Father Dan has said is God set everything in motion from the beginning to bring us to where we are right now. So with all the faults of humanity that have been acted out through the church, God is still working beautiful things through the Catholic Church. Hello, welcome to the Crazy Catholic Convert podcast. I'm your host, Karen. If you were to ask me why I became Catholic, I would say short answer, beauty, goodness, truth. Long answer, well, that's why I'm creating this podcast. Ever since I became Catholic, I felt called to evangelize. I have stories to tell, and I know other Catholics do too. Our faith is a gift. It should be shared. And if you have not already listened to part one, I would highly encourage you to do so because this is just a continuation from our story last month where I was interviewing Nevi Stroud. Nevi is an amazing mom now to two children, and we are going to learn about what happened to her next. I'll tell my little story oh, of when you got engaged. Yes, when I got engaged <laughs> I totally and, and meeting about my that. husband because yes, this yeah. is well, um, but Father Dan Scheidt is the pastor at St. Vincent's and he had this great homily series he gave about how God from the very beginning of creation had a plan for your life. And everything that has ever happened, everything God has ever put into place was bringing you to the moment that you are in right now and everything that comes after this god has already put into place so it's this cycling of events that bring us to where we are and so i kept that in my mind and in my heart through everything i was going through you know i think this is so hard but something about this moment is critical to what's going to develop later in my life so all these big choices i had to face i was like okay what is going to get me to the best stage like the next best stage. And I was thinking about this and I started to feel kind of hopeless on the front of a spouse because like I said, I had really wanted a strong father for my daughter. And I ended up meeting Ian through some mutual friends. Ian is my husband, Ian Stroud. And he happened to be the son of Marianne and Chris Stroud, who were my (laughs) doctors. So I thought, well, this is pretty bizarre. But we ran into each other through some mutual friends at a party at a friend's house. And we really hit it off. And then Ian had people over to his house a couple of weeks later. Also, this is a summer after Frances was born. So she was about three or four months old. And I went over to his house. And I remember texting my friends and thinking, uh, is it strange that I'm going to a party at my OBGYN's <laughs> house? And they're like, just go, just see. So and your, all your other friends are there. And if it's awkward, just go home. Well, Ian and I had the most amazing conversation throughout the night. And I got to tell him my story and he was really moved by it. But we just clicked. Did you know that he was the son of your OB guy? I did know because he had been a year behind me in high school and we had had one class together. So I knew who he was. And then going over to his house, Marianne was actually there. She came out (laughs) and she kind of shyly waved hi. And she was afraid that it was going to bring back bad memories to me of seeing her. And it did not at all because I just thought of the beautiful impact that she had on me and my pregnancy. And so I leapt out of the hot tub and ran and gave her a hug and almost knocked her wine glass 
glass out of her hand. <laughs> and it was this great moment because she was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that I, the impact I had was so positive. And so that was kind of the start of the end. And so Ian and I dated over that summer and he had one more year left at Walsh University, which ironically is only about 40 minutes from Kent State where I went to school. So we'd oh, been wow. so close to each other this right. whole time and yeah. never hung out. And my friend Rose had been trying to set us up for a little while. So she was oh. finally getting her way. So we dated long distance. And then because of COVID, he came home from school early. That was in March. And then by August, he proposed. It was just a really quick discernment of... Our, our marriage and what we really wanted from each other and so many events in our life lined up so beautifully and you think oh with this like is this too much of a coincidence am I trying to read into this and it was really just seeming like the Holy Spirit lining up these experiences to build this relationship right. for us and with us and then on August 22nd on the Feast of the Queenship of Mary Ian had planned this big date for us and it was what I called my perfect date it was something we had talked about when he was first asking me out so it started with spending time outside so I got off of work early and we went kayaking and it was a gorgeous day and then the next part of the date was to go out to a fancy dinner and then like stargazing afterwards so I went home got dressed and Ian and I are on our way to our fancy dinner and he gets a call from his mom and he goes oh my mom needs to stop at the office and pick something up and I was just so excited for the day I was jabbering away I wasn't paying any attention to what he was doing and he said he was like I was shaking and sweating so I have no idea <laughs> how you didn't know what was happening but we go in through the side door at the office and we start walking around to one of the nurses stations and then he opens up exam room too and there are streamers hanging from the ceiling and roses everywhere and pictures Aww. of us and Francis and us with our family all over the room and I look at him and I go shut up <laughs> he goes That's just give beautiful. me a second <laughs> and just to clarify I don't yeah. know if you mentioned this but that was also the room where Marianne had talked to you and said yes. you're already a mom yes so, so it had he, some significance there. oh it was amazing yeah so he had gone back in the records and he and Marianne and Chris had talked to figure out which room oh, I had been goodness. in so yeah he was very specific <laughs> about planning it and he said you know this is the room where you decided this was your goal in life your role in life and uh, he said and I want to give it even more meaning so then he got down on one knee and had a beautiful letter written out and and proposed to me with a gorgeous ring and Aww. so of course I couldn't help but say yes of and course. then we continued on with the night and dinner and uh, then he had planned a big surprise party back at his parents house so all of our friends were there people came from out of town like our friends who lived over in Ohio came over drove the three hours it was incredible it was one of the most fun nights that I've ever had my parents were there my brothers and yeah it was really beautiful Oh, and after he proposed to me, I almost forgot about this part. He had my cousin who was a deacon at the time. He's a priest now. He was there to bless our engagement right after oh, Ian proposed. Cool. Yeah, it was amazing. He did an excellent job. It was so redeeming to have these moments after so much suffering that I had been through. And, right. you know, the hard work of building a relationship with somebody when I have a baby. I was oh so goodness. worried about what the impact on Francis would be. And would anyone be able to love me for me? Or would they see her as too much would mm -hmm. they see me as too much and Ian from the beginning I joke I think he was more in love with Francis than he was me I mean she just Aww. captured his heart and had him wrapped around her little finger and I think anytime that we had relationship struggles while dating or engaged we could just look at our kid and say gosh, God gave us this gift and if I'm going to tough it out for anyone we're going to work to make this better for the betterment of our 
child and our future children. So, and we still do that now. Now we have Damien, our son. So we think about that all the time about just inviting Christ into our relationship and keeping our marriage so strong to benefit our kids, but just continue saying yes to God. And he continues to provide beautiful things for us. We feel really, really fortunate to be where we are right now. I never did I imagine through my pregnancy with Francis that five years, four and a half, five years later, I'd be in my own house with two kids and a dog and a husband just living this life that I dreamed of. I thought it would take me so much longer to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, God just gave us radical grace to be able to get here. It was very, yeah, very, very blessed. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I just want to express it's like the speed of which I feel like I recovered from what happened. It was due to me telling that story over and over and going through my court case and my case with the school board was excruciating. It was ripping open old wounds. And then for a long time, telling anyone about what happened, you know, walking into church as a single mom and trying to live my faith and having all these eyes on me and people not knowing and the fear of rumors, that was excruciating. But the more I shared the more I opened up, the more people I told and was really honest with, the more beauty that developed out of it. So if there are encouraging words I could give to anyone who's been in a similar situation or has experienced assault or abuse or something of that nature, talk about it. Find your story, write it down, journal it out if you need to, but share that story because that's where the healing and the beauty comes out. And I think truly God giving me the ability to share so frequently is what led to me finding healing in, I say, a relatively quick manner, because I remember hearing stories from other women who had had abortions and anything that's kept a secret, it just allows Satan to eat away at your heart and you don't want to do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can just open up, tell your story, let God in. It's so powerful and he just loves us so much and he wants really, really good things for each of us. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I talked about some saints that oh, have helped yes, me along saint my Maria way. Garetti. Yeah. And a Saint Joseph, two huge patron saints for me while I was going through all of this. Saint Therese of Lisieux was my confirmation I love saint. Her. Yeah, she's, you oh, know, just always showering so down the roses. She's mm-hmm. so sneaky. I actually had a great rose story shortly before my engagement to Ian. So that summer, I was driving his younger brother and sister to their soccer practices. It was when we were first dating. And I was like, God, I think Ian is the one. And I'm going to say this novena. And St. Therese, give me a rose if Ian is the one. And so I remember on her feast day, I finished the novena and I was like, okay, anytime now you can show it to me. And so I'm driving (laughs) to go pick up Ian's younger sister, Lima, from practice and I pass a rose bush and I go, oh, okay, I'm just looking for that. That's a coincidence. I go, okay, if this is my rose, I want three. And I was like, that's asking (laughs) a lot, but I'm going to ask for it. And right after I said it, I saw another one. I go, okay, I'm I'm just looking for it. Like, I'm going to let this be a surprise. And so I'm driving for a few more minutes and Ian calls. And so I click my phone to answer it and I look up and there's a third one right there, right as Ian calls me. And I go, okay, well, this is, this is it. (laughs) So yeah, I remember talking pre-engagement and Ian's like, are we sure this is what I want? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I have really no doubts about you. I was like, God already told me, so. Oh my goodness, that's so cool. I don't think I actually told him that story until, I think I told it to him at dinner after he proposed to me. Yeah, it was so fun. 
trying to think of my other saints. So Francis is named after, it's a family name, but also she's named after St. Francis of Assisi and St. Francis of Rome. Francis of Assisi, I've always loved him because of his relationship with nature and animals. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved animals since I was a little girl. I was always like bringing home baby birds and bunnies and anything I could find, try and nurture it and take care of it. And uh, St. Francis of Rome was just a powerhouse wife and mother. So those were, yeah, that's her namesake. So those are, those are my little group of saints who surround me. And then Our Lady of Fatima picked me this year. We do a saint of the year at St. Vincent's. So on the first of the year, you pick out a saint or your saint chooses you, we say. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been my girl this year. So I've been trying to like recommit to the rosary. And that actually was another full circle moment because the man who raped me, I had taught him about the rosary. And after I was raped, I had a really, really hard time praying the rosary. And that was devastating to me because it's oh, wow. it's the rosary yeah. and it's so important in our faith and it's such a beautiful prayer and a good thing to incorporate in your prayer life. So this year there's been some healing around the rosary and I've been able to pray it without these reminders and it's genuine PTSD around something that should be so beautiful and holy. So Our Lady of Fatima picked me this year, I think, so that I could reclaim the rosary and move forward from some of that trauma. So that was another puzzle piece of healing that I got to experience years after my assault. Yeah. And you never know what seed you planted teaching someone the rosary. No. And I think about that a lot. And I remember talking to Father Dan. I said, you know, I hold this grudge and this frustration. And I said, I really don't want to. I want to be able to let go of this and forgive. And he said, well, just pray that God puts the right person in his life to bring him to his faith and to the church. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then it's off of your hands. And he's like, it's not your responsibility. So I think about that. I'm seeing this redemption through the rosary. Maybe, maybe that's one seat of faith where God will take care of it. Yeah, somewhere down the line. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank There's, you. Oh, do you have a favorite Bible passage? Maybe something that you, like your yeah. mantra as you were going through your hard times? What are your favorites? Yeah, the one from Philippians, do not have anxiety in anything but trust in God. That's a big one. And that's been a big one for me since high school because I've struggled with anxiety for a long time. So that's one that kind of rings in the back of my head. But as I was going through everything with Frances, shortly after she was born, I would start my mornings out on the porch with a cup of coffee and reading through the book of Job. And that was really, really powerful for me because if you're unfamiliar with the book of Job, um, it's this story about God having a conversation with Satan and Satan says, well, this man only loves you because he has this family and he's got like rich farmland. And if you took all that away from him, he wouldn't love you anymore, God. And so God goes, okay. And he takes everything away. And Job is so frustrated, but never loses his faith. And I would say he gets to the point where he's angry with God, but he says, I don't understand why you've taken everything away from me, but I still love you, God, and I need to hear you. And he's wrestling back and forth and talking to his friends. There are friends saying different things about, oh, well, you should abandon God or you shouldn't abandon God and trying to give him recommendations. And Job's like, okay, those none of those things that you're saying are filling my heart. I just need God. And so... I really related to that story of Job, but I think anyone who's going through a time of suffering, read through Job. You'll see that God never really leaves us. So 
Yeah. Job's my favorite book. Oh, I mean, growing yeah. up in the faith, I wasn't really an Old Testament gal. Right. I, I really like yeah. New Testament and exactly. I love the stories of the apostles right. and um, right. all of Peter's letters. And yeah, getting older, I've grown an appreciation for the Old Testament books and learning how things that happen there connect to things in the New Testament. So we're just always learning and growing. Of course. But, yes, yeah. it's fascinating. Oh, let's see. Oh, okay. So what does your prayer life look like? Prayer life is kind tricky with two little ones um so with francis i had a lot of opportunity to go to daily mass so i went to mass almost every day for a long time through her first year of life and then i went back to work full time so i wasn't able to do daily mass anymore but that was a big part of my prayer life saying the divine mercy chaplet that was my little go-to and then when i was doing exodus part of what you give up is music or radio in the car unless it's christian or worship Mm -hmm. and so i got really used to having silence in the car and i love praying in the car it sounds so silly but when you're busy as a mom or you're working that is just one place where i could invite some silence into my day and let god speak to my heart especially when i was still in school and i had a long drive back and forth from kent state so car time was quite almost the entire time and I just had this silence to listen so that's my favorite way to pray and I still practice that now now it's harder to find times of silence but I'm making my best use of the oratory at St. Vincent's so it's the perpetual adoration chapel with all the stained glass yes oh it's beautiful yeah it's gorgeous and so it was just this passion project and it's dedicated to St. Mary Magdalene but it also reminds me of Mary and Martha where Mary chose the better portion by spending time with Christ. So I always think of, okay, I can be like Mary and spend my time with Christ. That's always Mm -hmm. going to be the better portion. So I'll put away my work. Even if the house is trashed, I try and take time in the Adoration Chapel every week. So I have a holy hour on Mondays because I'm part of the Seven Sisters Apostolate for Father Andrew Budzinski. So I go on Mondays and have a holy hour for him. And then every other week on Thursday, they have Children's Adoration. So we get all the kids in there, lots of toddlers and babies, and we let it be noisy. And sometimes we'll play music. And that's beautiful to just let our kids meet these other moms and then to let our kids all play together in front of Christ and just experience being with him. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really I fun. I never thought about, it sounds like a play date. In, Essentially, in, yeah. But adora- in adoration. Yeah, and there's one gal, a friend of mine, who sometimes she's done brunch afterwards. Sometimes if it's a nice day out, we'll just let the kids go run around in the cemetery afterwards. Okay. And it's really fun for them. Oh. And recently I talked to Father Dan and I said, you know, I really want to make the most of daily prayer, but I struggle with daily prayer. And he reminded me, you know, as a mom, it can be hard to fit daily prayer in. He said, but think of your prayer life as a garden and your garden does not have to be watered every day, but you need to take care of it frequently. He Mm -hmm. said, so have a pattern, take care of your garden. He said, but do not let yourself feel bad if you miss a day. He said, just make sure to take care of it the next day. So that took off a lot of that mom guilt and just that shame that I had in reference to prayer. So for all the other busy people out of there, just water your garden frequently and don't get too hung up on making sure you're out there every day. So right. It's a relationship, right? I read Sorry, this is a bit tangent. Oh, but no, go it, ahead. It was Time for God by Jacques Philippe. And I realized there's a lot of things that are a prayer or could be a prayer. Right. That you don't even know are a yeah, prayer. Yeah, especially know, like as a meltdown. I'm like, I'm offering this up. Yeah. You can turn a lot of things into a prayer. That's too. the beauty of motherhood. I don't remember which saint or writer pointed it out, but there was someone who said, you know, we look at 
the Bible and we can get frustrated because the men of the Bible get to go on these great adventures and go up to the mountain to go talk with God. And you think, well, why don't women get to go up to the mountain? It's like, because we've got a lot of work to do down here and God comes to us and he meets us while we're doing the dishes and baking a meal and all of this. Mary experienced her relationship with God by caring for her son. So that's a gift we're given as mothers. So I hung up like the fruits of the Holy Spirit. How are they fragrant in my life? I put that over the sink so I can reflect on that as I'm doing the dishes. And then I'm not so angry that someone didn't rinse off a peanut butter spoon. <laughs> I <laughs> I can focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit instead. Oh, so beautiful. that's helpful. Yeah. I love that. Thank uh, you. If you could say something to non-Catholics about your Catholic faith, what would you say? Oh, man, there's so I much know, to say. Hard. I love what you started off with, which is just it holds beauty, truth, and goodness. And I think uh, my husband and I have different answers for this question. We've talked about it before, but the Eucharist is so important. You get to encounter Christ as he really is. It's just really powerful. So I think to people who aren't Catholic, I'd say try and get an encounter with the Eucharist. It can be really life-changing, but God loves you so much and the fullness of the faith is in the Catholic Church. There are faults to find anywhere and in any church, mm-hmm. but the Catholic faith is the OG. It's the original. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fun way to put it. Yeah, and it's got that beauty of tradition being handed down from a Pope to Pope to Pope from the apostles. So, you know, Jesus set this church in motion specifically. And relating back to what Father Dan has said is God set everything in motion from the beginning to bring us to where we are right now. So with all the faults of humanity that have been acted out through the church, God is still working beautiful things through the Catholic Church. So it's just always an, an open invitation. I remember being that way in college. It was always an open invitation to my friends to come to Mass with me and experience that source and summit of our faith in the Eucharist. Yeah. There's just a lot of beauty there. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Nevi Stroud, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your stories. I've really enjoyed this and I know other people will too. Thank you so much. I feel honored to be able to share it. I really do. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you enjoyed this episode of the crazy catholic convert podcast i just want to say some things about the eucharist because i'm a convert and i remember catholic saying phrases just like nevi oh the eucharist it's so important and i remember asking ryan and what is the eucharist and he would say the eucharist is the body and blood of jesus christ and i was like oh so god's in that cookie well it's a wafer. (laughs) Oh, right, right. Wafer. I just didn't really get it. And so I would love to do a talk to help people understand why we Catholics are so crazy about the Eucharist. And Nevi is absolutely right. It is the source and summit of our faith. I get it now. But in short, I would just say that the Eucharist means God loves you. We can't even fathom how much God loves us. And he actually had my daughter, Marie, on Thanksgiving. And so we thought about naming her Marie Eucharista because the literal translation of the Eucharist is Thanksgiving. 
but we already had Marie Caritas picked out and I just thought it flowed better. Caritas means charity in Latin. It's like Christian love. But I remember I'm an indecisive person and I put a lot of thought into names, right? I was having second thoughts about it and I was like, oh, maybe we should have gone with Eucharista as her middle name. And Ryan said, no, Karen, we can just have another baby girl and use Eucharista as a middle name. I like it. And I was like, but Ryan, what are the chances that we will have another baby girl born on Thanksgiving? And it took me a while, but it finally clicked. I was like, wait a minute, we could still do Eucharista because ultimately the Eucharist is love. God is love and the Eucharist is God. So anyways, speaking of Thanksgiving, I also happened to do an interview Thanksgiving Day. So I did this interview. I think I started at four o'clock and it went until like five maybe. And then we drove to Fort Wayne, got to the Holy Family Birth Center around 630 and at 7.37, I had Marie Caritas. But childbirth is fairly relevant to the interview because I was actually interviewing my cousin Allison, who is a pelvic floor therapist. So in addition to asking her my usual Catholic questions, I will also be asking her some questions about that. So stick around. I hope you can join me next month. Mm-hmm.